Well, good day, everyone, and welcome to the Words of Grace with Stanley Garland. Once again, uh, here we come to you today in the wake of the Special General Conference of the United Methodist Church. Uh, and as you know, I am a, a evangelical, traditional Methodist um, in denomination, and um, I want to talk a little bit about what happened uh, with the United Methodist Church uh, this week in St. Louis, Missouri, when we had our specially called uh, general conference uh, to determine the issues of human sexuality that have uh, been a sore point in the Methodist Church over the last couple decades. Uh, and I want to uh, let you guys kind of know how this all developed, and I'll do just a brief history of it. As, as you know, that the uh, uh, United Methodist Church was formed uh, from the Methodist Church of America when it combined in 1958 with the United Brethren Church, and they formed the United Methodist Church, and both of those churches were uh, a fairly conservative and fairly traditional Methodist groups, and they came together. Over the next few decades, however, um, due to some of the policies and things that uh, took place in within the, uh, the Methodist Church, um, some having to do with uh, the education of ministers uh, from somewhat secularized liberal um, uh, divinity schools and uh, seminaries around the country. This tended to uh, cause a growing uh, group of uh, leftist uh, um, and more liberal secularized uh, Methodists to eventually grow within the denomination. Well, uh, these concepts of, of uh, human sexuality came to uh, uh, a greater debate in the 70s and on into the early 80s. And, and uh, during that time period, uh, the Methodist Church was still strongly uh, conservative. And uh, in our book of discipline, which is our rule book for the Methodist Church, uh, we placed a statement that said that um, all... Um, people were of, uh, you know, value before God, and but that marriage would be defined as a union of a man and a woman uh, only, and that uh, ministers uh, would not be able to, um, you know, be a practicing uh, homosexual uh, and be ordained uh, as ministers within the, the United Methodist Church. So that was part of our polity. That was part of our pol politics and rules and laws governing the church beginning, uh, you know, in the uh, late 70s, early 80s. So that uh, came along. So fast forward until today, and as you know, uh, the 90s uh, saw a sexual revolution uh, that was an extension of the 60s and 70s. Uh, and at first there was, of course, a heterosexual sexual revolution, but it grew over time into uh, a movement for those who define themselves as uh, LBGTQ plus individuals. Well, not only since we do operate within the American scheme, the American culture, the United Methodist Church had a certain people within uh, our organization who, um, you know, were very uh, pro uh, the gay movement. So there were individuals, especially in the far north of the United States and the far uh, west and places like California and Oregon and Washington State that 
um, were actually able to become ordained elders in the Methodist Church uh, who were either uh, practicing gay people uh, or who um, were some of them were quiet about it in the beginning, but over time uh, became more vocal. Uh, of course, even though they were technically in violation of the rules, um, there was no enforcement because lots of the people in those regions agreed with them philosophically, and therefore it wasn't an issue in, within their conferences and their regions. So um, there, there has been and especially in this last five to ten years, a very growing uh, movement, and it's not just within Methodism. One issue is that the United States, uh, excuse me, the United Methodist Church is a national and international body. Lots of other church denominations have either voted to accept gay people or uh, they are uh, governed locally. So local churches make those decisions. For example, in the Baptist church, each individual Baptist church makes their own decisions for those types of rules. So there's not like a, a big movement within groups like the Baptist church that have that kind of polity or governship. Um, but being that we are in, in the United Methodist, a national international denomination, we form and make our decisions uh, in a group at, at conferences, it's called a, consul, a council, uh, consula, cons consulary model of governorship. So we we come together every four or so years, and we uh, you know vote and make rules over the uh, from that point forward, and that becomes part of our book of discipline. So this particular, as I said, this particular special session. Uh, of the, the General Conference was held for the purpose of once and for all hopefully deciding and making a decision, making a final say on this question of human sexuality, which meant essentially uh, were, would um, practicing um, avowed, self-avowed, self-admitted uh, gay people be allowed to uh, have uh, marriage, quote-unquote, marriage ceremonies within our facilities, uh, within our local churches, and would self-avowed, self-admitted, practicing homosexual people uh, be able to um, occupy leadership positions within the church? Um, so after some very, very tumultuous debate, and some um, uh, a little bit of protest and some uh, rancoring and some um, political uh, maneuvers and uh, such, uh, the uh, United Methodist Church voted, uh, thankfully, in my opinion, to uphold the Word of God and uphold the Scripture, which is quite clear uh, about um, homosexuality being uh, a sinful act. Um, but I think that uh, the, the position of the church is quite, um, actually quite fair and quite moderate in its, in its position. As I said, it is very moderate in its position. Uh, so the Methodist Church says that we understand and appreciate that uh, lesbian, bisexual, gay, whatever individuals are um, created in the image of God. They deserve our respect. They reserve. They de they deserve our 
our love, our Christian affection. Um, but at the same time, we call them to repentance because we believe that the Scripture teaches us that uh, homosexuality or the practice thereof is uh, a sin. And if we are to pursue holiness and work out our Christian faith in the pursuit of being holy and right-minded and right-living before God, then we must say that this is wrong. We must confess the sin before God, and we must move forward. And we believe that through the power of the Holy Spirit that God can enliven your heart, he can change your desires, and we're not saying that it's going to be easy, and we're not going to say that it's going to be like flipping a switch, because all of us have problems and difficulties that we and challenges and things that we struggle with as Christian individuals. But we believe that if you embrace faith in Jesus Christ, that he will give you the power to overcome the sins that beset you. So... Uh, that is our position uh, as a church that we have voted on and we have agreed upon to move forward as a Christian community uh, operating in faith that Jesus Christ can change your heart and life, that uh, whatever sin it might be, whatever sexual deviation from God's plan uh, that uh, is within your life, if you are a person that's struggling with same-sex attraction and uh, you wish to be free from that desire, then Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can help you do that. And so uh, I want to emphasize that some of the takeaways that I have received from this um, general conference is I want to emphasize that Jesus Christ loves gay people. He loves them just like he loves everyone else. He wants the best for them, and his best, God's best, is that one man and one woman would live together for a lifetime. The Bible says his, Jesus Christ in his own red-letter words that he, that he uh, expressed when he was here on earth, he said that his design was that a, man, that a man should leave his father and mother and he should cleave unto his wife, and the two of them shall be one flesh. And that's Jesus Christ himself. That's not Paul, that's not Peter, that's not anyone else in the Bible. That's what Jesus Christ himself, when he walked on earth, described as his plan for marriage and family in uh, this world. Now, um, a lot of people have said, well, you know, the only thing that really prohibits uh, homosexuality in the Bible are those scriptures in Leviticus that say that, that we should uh, not, uh, that men shouldn't lie with other men and so forth. And it is true that those scriptures are there. And the, the Bible says that uh, Paul wrote that the law is our schoolmaster. It's our teacher that helps us to identify what sin is. And, as, and it is correct to point out that, yes, uh, in Leviticus, the Bible does point out very clearly that uh, men lying with other men um, and likewise women and so forth uh, is a sin. It's, it's clearly stated there. Uh, and the, the law is not gone from the Christian life. It is our teacher, and it's our schoolmaster, as Paul's uh, a word that he uses, uh, to show us what sin is, uh, what the definitions of sin are in our lives. And so um, if you 
you can go on. You can read Romans. You can read Corinthians. You can read even the book of Revelation uh, where it states that those. Yes, even the book of Revelation speaks that those who are um, following after the flesh, who have given themselves over to what the, the Bible calls pornia in the uh, Greek, which means sexual immorality, will be turned into the lake of fire. So we believe that those who embrace the sexual immorality of homosexuality will, uh, if they do not repent and turn to the Lord, um, will die in their sins and go to hell. I do not believe that it is possible to um, embrace a gay identity and claim it as who you are and give yourself over to it and say that it's okay and that there's nothing wrong with it and it's not sin and persist in that sinful immorality uh, that God has clearly taught against time and again. Uh, the Apostle Paul taught, he said, uh, in before times you uh, were given over to the lusts of your flesh, but now that you have been uh, converted, uh, you need to walk in newness of life. So if, if you uh, change, if you, could, if you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, if he enters your life and you come to faith in him that's true and genuine, then that means that you have to actively renounce the sexual immorality of your life, whether it be a guy sleeping with a bunch of women or a, a, a guy sleeping with other men. It doesn't matter. Both of them are immoral. You must renounce your sexual immorality. You must uh, turn to Christ, and you must now walk in newness of life, in holiness of life. Before God. Now, are you going to be perfect? Well, of course you're not going to. Because all of us, as long as we live in the flesh, we're going to have to deal with sinning periodically. But we believe that if we embrace Christ, that day and day after day, we can become more sanctified, more holy in, in our walk with Him. We can become closer to our Lord and Savior in our relationship with Him. And we can improve, and we can do better, and we can become more Christ-like. And the Bible calls it the process of conforming ourselves, reshaping and remolding ourselves out of our fleshly likeness into the Holy Spirit's and Jesus' likeness. So this is not something that we do in our own power, in the own power of our own flesh, because the flesh is what got us in the, the trouble in the first place. We can only do it by the power, the dunamis of the Holy Spirit. That's the only thing that can give us the strength to overcome the world and to call our, God has called us out from among the world and the sinners and the flesh and the old life. And he's made a new creation in us, in Christ Jesus, and he expects us to walk in that newness. So uh, that is where we are as a Methodist church, and um, I pray that, that uh, you will pray for us as our church learns and grows, and we need a refinement. We need a refining fire within Methodism that we return to the scripture, 
that we return to our traditional views that, that the Methodism and Christianity has held for 2,000 plus years, and we need to relearn who we are as Christians and walk in that holiness that God has called us to. Y'all have a great day, and amen. Bye-bye.